You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Welcome into the Conduits of Trouble podcast. Uh, Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, episode two. Declan Goff producing, doing a fine, fine job. Um... <laughs> Chipper, let's start with this one. Our old beat. The Minnesota Vikings. Never a dull moment, of course. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, the Kyle Rudolph situation and what's going on here. You know, I thought when they restructured Kendricks a couple days ago, I thought Kyle was sort of, the, the story would go away. But we're recording this on Friday morning, and uh, late last night, Pro Football Talk had a story with a source, which clearly looks like it's coming from Egan, Minnesota, take that as you will, uh, saying that the Vikings are not trying to cut Kyle's salary, that they've actually offered him a five-year extension that would make him among the highest paid tight ends in the league. This all seems like there's an underlying factors here that we don't know. Yeah, something is going on that we don't know. Uh, the Kendrick thing I didn't think really affected Kyle's situation because that was just so they could get Bradbury signed, right? Sure. Get their their last uh, draft pick signed. Because they still didn't have a, a whole lot of money left over, and if you want to make uh, if you want to make moves during the season, you're going to have to have more wiggle room than what they have right now. So it's interesting. It's, you know, you go all the way back to, what, first day of off-season workouts, and, and uh, Rudolph showed up with a shirt or whatever it said, uh, still a lot left or whatever it was. I got a lot of game left or whatever the, the shirt said, but – so he clearly was sending a message walking in the first day of, of this offseason that, one, I still think I can play at a, you know, mm-hmm. at a productive level, and two, I'm not taking a pay cut, which he made, he made uh, pretty clear with Sid after the Mike Zimmer uh, golf tournament the other day. Was that Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, Wednesday. Yes, early, um, in week, early in the week. Where he just said, no way, I won't take a pay cut, and, right. and I'm too young for that. And that goes back to – I'm too young for that. Yeah, I'm too young for no, that. No, you're really not. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Kyle. I got bad news for you. But, it's the NFL. But that's kind of been the M.O. Well, it's the M.O. of the NFL, but the M.O. of, of the Vikings, too. And, and Rob Brzezinski, I mean, he's a magician with the salary cap, but he also – look at the uh, – Brian Robinson took a pay cut last year and got cut. Yeah. Chad Greenway took a pay cut. Kevin Williams took a pay cut. I mean, guys, they've approached guys over the years to kind of free up some room to, to either sign – other guys they want or just have uh, more cap space and so the the pft thing was interesting i'm sure that got leaked in response to kyle's uh uh quotes to sid right yeah and was kyle so do you think kyle was trying to insinuate that he was asked to take a pay cut like i can't i don't because restructuring doesn't necessarily mean that you're asked to take a pay cut it means no you know your guarantees might be or he had no guarantees left so perhaps they were going to shove them into coming years i don't know yeah i think well i think some people just say what's his is it 7.5 million yeah all right play for four you know 3.5 or 4 point whatever and that that's a pay cut and you just say i'm not going to do that so he he has said all along he told andrew kramer from my paper what almost two months ago that he would be willing to look at an extension if that helps Obviously, with some guaranteed money, mm-hmm. but if that helps, you know, alleviate the the problem. So who knows where you know 
what the truth is in there if, if they really did offer him extension. I, I find it hard to believe that they offered him extension that would make him one of the highest-paid tight ends, and he turned it down. Well, and five years would take him because he turns 30 during the course of the Correct, coming season, yeah. take him to 35, which is – well, I mean, it, and you could cut him again. Yeah, so, they're not or you gonna, could cut him. And that's the thing. It's, it's, to me, it just reiterates that NFL contracts are meaningless. Oh, absolutely. Except for the guaranteed money. They mean absolutely nothing. Yes. Yeah. That's the one thing is – until these guys, and I don't think that there's enough support around the league from players to do it, until they actually strike or get locked out during a season, not during, you know, not yeah, the off season, yeah. uh, it's not going to change. No. But it is, it's remarkable when you think about um, the shelf life of these careers, mm-hmm. the punishment that yeah. these guys absolutely take. Other sports are punishing, but this is yeah. the worst. And that they're the only ones who, aside from Kirk Cousins, don't have guarantees. Yeah. And, or guaranteed contracts. And that's why I'm – Yeah, and I'm going to write about this a little bit for Sunday, too. I'm always amazed at how fans side with teams and billionaire owners when it comes to guys not taking pay cuts. It's like if you look – and it's probably a little bit dangerous to look at commenters and social media, but you would think Kyle Rudolph's being greedy, ungrateful, malcontent because he said, I won't take a pay cut. Well, I wouldn't take a pay cut either. Right. Why, why should he just, you know – agree to take a pay cut on something that they agreed to too i mean both sides wrote that contract and it's it's hey it's the vikings every right to cut him too or trade him yes if you don't take a pay but cut you can do that yeah hey that's their that's their right too but um these guys have such a finite window for making money and they risk their brains and bodies for for entertainment i wouldn't take a pay cut the interesting thing about what you you just said though is i think and we cover teams i think what you just said extends to one more place, though. At times, the locker room, like the perception of, yeah. of, because I think teams do a great job, and some players are, are very smart. Some players are not so smart, but I think teams do a really good job of selling. You know, the, this is about the team. So if you want the team to win, and yeah. you do this, so w- what interests me is going to be how teammates perceive Kyle, because I'm sure some will be like, "Absolutely, dude, you did the right thing," and I think he is doing the right yeah. thing. But I don't know that's team-wide. Yeah, it's it's hard because, um, you know, you always tell guys are, are leery to get in another player's business, you know, because they've, they've all been there. But Right, and they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. They hold grudges. Yeah, well. and it, but, you know, these teams can squeeze players because if you're at a certain age, and I, I don't know if Kyle's at that age yet, but if you're 30, let's say you're, you're Brian Robinson or Chad Green at his last year, well, if you don't take a pay cut, we're cutting you. Right, and right. so you're thinking, well, I'm probably not going to get a job with another team elsewhere. I don't really want to start over at this age with some one-year deal with a team that I may not make. Right. And so you just take the pay cut just to get one more year because it's not like you're playing for free, you know. And so the teams have all the leverage there. And I just think Kyle's at a point where he's 29. He's not ancient, yep. right? He's not uh, a guy who's, no, he who still, wouldn't get another job. He could still be productive, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and the thing is – if I'm the Vikings, I still think I'd, I'd want to have him with Irv Smith because you need to see if this kid can play. I think that's the conundrum here. I think he would be, and, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes here, but clearly it's something. I think that if they didn't think what you just said, he'd be gone by now for sure. Sure, probably. Because yeah. if you're, and, and I come back to one guy, Gary Kubiak. Yeah. If you come down to my office which, you know, it's slightly smaller than Zim's, but it can't be too much because I'm assistant head coach offense, yeah. or I'm, I'm head coach yeah. offense, and you say, you know what, we drafted Yerv Smith. So we're thinking, I'd say, what? Yeah. 
You've got to give me every weapon possible. I didn't take this job and probably a lot of the Wilfs hard-earned cash so that you can now uh, tell me to be a magician when you have when right now on the roster we have two potentially productive tight ends. And now you want to take me down to one potential uh, rookie, rookie yeah. who I don't know if he can block. I think he can catch, or I know he can catch in college. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, and it, it, what if he said, too, that if they've been talking about it all offseason, that, hey, man, if we had two pass-catching tight ends, this offense could really hum and we could you know do different things, and we just haven't had that yet. So if we could pair Rudolph with you know a guy who's more vertical, a more receiver type, Irv Smith, and play him together, and then all of a sudden – Oh yeah, we're going to get rid of Kyle Rudolph and just have Irvin Smith. So I, I, that's why I think, I think they're probably trying like heck to make it. And plus, he's I mean, think of what Kyle does in terms of an ambassador for the organization, yeah. all the stuff he does in community. I think, I think they're probably trying like heck to, to keep him, but they just think that that at that price tag is too much. The ambassador thing I can get past quickly if yeah. if he's not well, productive, not the, but he's, he's yeah. productive. Yeah. And and the other pro- problem too is if I'm Kubiak, I sit down Spielman and. Zimmer and I say, okay, boys, tell me this. You're giving me Irv Smith now, who you think is going to be good, but no one can assure me. You're giving me Diggs, who I like a lot, Thielen, who I I like a lot, and what? Yeah. Like if you had – if Laquan Treadwell was good, this whole conversation might be very different. Mm -hmm. But the way I see it now, the potential combination of Rudolph and Irv Smith replaces my three – because sure. my third receiver is who? BB? It's a it's a I, he, it's a bunch of unknowns. I have no idea. Some of these draft picks, and, and I don't yeah. want to play Treadwell. No, yeah, no. I I think you're you're looking at them as a as a combo that you're going to use a lot, right? Because yes, outside of the two top two receivers, you got a bunch of unknowns, and you, you yes. have no idea like what you're going to get from them. And so, I I think I and Kyle's talked about it a lot, so he's clearly hearing that internally, right? He's he's talked about it multiple times about using them together and that's what Kubiak does so he's clearly hearing that in OTAs and in the film study sessions mm-hmm. they've been doing and so yeah I, I don't doubt that they're trying to make it work but I, I, I keep going back to I, if I'm Rudolph players get steamrolled all the time about taking pay cuts and getting cut and 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 all that and if he's he made it clear from day one walking in here that he still thinks he can play a high level so I, I don't you know I don't knock him one ounce for not wanting just saying yeah i'll take a pay cut knock two million off no i would i would hold the line too and, and he saw too was it was it now boy it's probably four, four years back or so greenway took a substantial pay cut twice yeah but then if you recall they had injuries mm-hmm. so he started so his yeah. playing time shot up and i'm not trying to imply that he was great at that point but he contributed yeah and so kyle's watching this guy who's basically been told be a good soldier you don't play as much take a pay cut and now he's playing a ton mm-hmm or you could be looking at B-Rob that took a pay cut and got cut. Now, I'm not saying they're going to cut Kyle, but, I mean, that was you – know, he took a $2 million pay cut in this, right before training camp, and then they cut him. So I've got a very simple question that would have cleared a lot of this up, and I've asked this to a lot of people, and nobody – I mean, some agree, some disagree, but no one can really say why. Why is Everson Griffin still here? Like, why didn't you go to Mike and tell him you've got – Daniil Hunter can move to right end. Weatherly, who's becoming yeah, a de- who you, by the way, congratulations, you've developed into a mm-hmm. nice player. Uh, the luxury of having a third end is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. But once Barr came back defensively, something more had to give. I can't. I can't emotional attachment from Zimmer but, to him. But okay. But if that's the case, you and I both know that's death. 
Yeah. That's the most dangerous. What's the one thing Belichick doesn't do? Yeah, he, yeah he's you can't. About it. But yeah. you, you've got but, to tell Mike, I need you. At the day that you think these guys can't produce, they got to be gone. I, I, it might be. Well, obviously, he had to take a pay cut, too. Everson was another one took a, a pay right. cut. Right. I'm just saying take him off the books. But there, there might be that doubt in their mind of his drop-off last year. Was that because of the issues he went through? And he'll be better now that he's in a better state and, and he's worked out and all that? Or or is he hitting kind of the cliff here and he's not going to be as productive? No one knows. And, There's the, no way of knowing. And so I think they're, they're probably – one, I think it's the emotional attachment. Two, yep. they probably t- told themselves, that, hey – Let's see what happens here with a clean slate where he's in a better – and it, can he get back to being that – I mean, because, you, you know, when he was at the top of his game two years ago, it was like right. he was as good as any pass rusher. And so they're maybe trying to hold that hope that he can still be that guy. And if he was 28 or so, I would yeah. say that what you just said is exactly right, but he's not. Yeah. But it's just weird. Defensively, it was as if Barr came back and nothing still had to give. Yeah. I, I, I would have told Mike, you know what, Barr – because there are teams that would have said to Barr, "No, you can't come back." Sorry. Yeah. But I get it. That that I get that one. But something else had to give, and I don't. I guess I'm confused why that now is going to give potentially offensively when you could have just said, "Okay, Mike, here, mm-hmm. sit down." Well, that's Barr why, or Griffin. Do you want Barr back? Then we gotta let Griffin go. That's why. I mean, there was all the talk. Are they going to trade Wayne? Are they going to trade uh, Xavier Rose? Yeah. Or you know, and and I didn't. I didn't think that it was going to happen, but. Um, that yeah, I mean they've got to. They're good defensively. They got to get a lot better offensively. And if you get rid of Rudolph, are you going to be better offensively? No, I don't think so. No, you, and people and be, we know his limitations. You're he's not great yourself. after the catch, but he's still productive, right? Will you be a better offense without yes. if you just have Irv Smith being your number one and only really pass catching tight end and not? I don't think so. Yes. Oh, you think they will? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, with and the direction so that's, that I you're think, going. No, they won't be. Yeah, and that's why I think. Uh, I mean, I think they're probably trying like heck to get it done, but I, you know, it's just two sides being stubborn, probably. You yeah, know, but I think Kyle, but I think Kyle and done. his people though have a; they've got a decent point. Yeah, because he's not thirty-three. I mean, he, and he, how many times has he talked about his age? I'm not old. I'm still productive. I'm in my prime. We've heard that a lot from him, and it's not just off the cuff. I mean, he came he came to off-season workouts with an agenda for sure. I mean, word word on his shirt. And he's talked about every interview. I'm not over the hill. I still can be productive. Yeah. So I'm not, to me, that's code word for I'm not taking a pay cut because I'm not in that stage. And he said today with Sid, I'm, what do you say? I'm too young for that. Yes. He said, uh, yeah, in the, uh, in the conversation with Sid, he said, no, I won't take a pay cut. I'm too young for, for that. And he's due $7.6 million this coming that's season. That's why I, I think he's, yeah. he's saying, I'm not in that stage where I'm 34. And I'm really probably not the player that I was before. And so, I mean, you see it all the time where guys sort of get paid based on their past and their reputation sure. and they're not worth it, you know, on the field. And so they wind up taking a pay cut. I think he's saying I'm not in that, I'm not in that category. Now, Here, we, you, can, you can debate whether you, you agree with him or not, but that's how he feels, and that's why he's taking that hardline stance. Here's a theory, too. Do you think that he, and this would actually be pretty smart, he's going to earn a ton. Mm-hmm. In 2019, he's going to be used. If, if he plays here, he's going yeah. to that that two tight end set will work, uh, and and I think we'll actually if he's incorporated correctly, which Kubiak will do, yeah. will make him more effective. Do you think he simply w- wants to make what, what he's going to make, which is a lot of money in the coming season, play that thing out, and if he comes off the type of season he's probably banking on, 
hit the market, get another bite at the and apple. You're gonna get you're gonna get a what three to five year, probably a five year. Now now it, it'll be it'll he'll get his cash early you in get that guaranteed. contract, right? Yeah. But and just try and hit the market, and could be you could make a pretty good. There there would be somebody in this league now that is so tight and driven offensively and mm-hmm. puts puts such a premium if the perception is that he's inching up that secondary group to its highest point he could get paid pretty well could be yeah i mean he's and again i don't blame him for that no and i don't think i mean he's clearly not thinking all right this is my last contract i gotta hold on to whatever i can get i don't think it's that i think he's he's probably looking at hey i can be really productive in kubiak system um and the way they plan on using me and and so yeah maybe there's another you know, another bite at the apple in terms of a contract, either whether it's here or somewhere else, if he has a, a, a pretty productive season. All right, let's transition. How about them twins last night? They, they beat, keep rolling, right? They, they are crushing the ball. Went to uh, Seattle. Now, the Mariners can't feel to save their life, yeah. so I will give them that. <laughs> but uh, Byron Buxton, what, second home run in two mm-hmm. days, three on the year yeah. now. They are absolutely crushing the baseball. And, and again, uh, to go back to our conversation in the inaugural episode of this podcast last week, the more you watch this team, they look – there are elements, I should say, that look like they're definitely – Yeah, for real. Well, and the thing I, I was talking uh, – maybe we talked about last week or I was talking to someone else, but um, you look at their line, Judd, and it used to be, you'd be like, all right, here's an easy out. This is an automatic out. This is a strikeout. Buxton's, you know, whoever – and you look at the lineup now, and you don't get that sense where it's like, all right, this is a for sure strikeout coming. You know, they ha- they're getting production all throughout. The- I mean, their their catchers are <laughs> incredible right now. The way they're hitting. I mean, obviously that's not sustainable. I was going to say that's the one thing. that's going to come back to the pack. But and with but Mitch still, out now for a while, that's not yet. That's but still, this lineup, and I think at spring training we thought it was going to be a, a lineup that could score a lot of runs, but I didn't think Buxton would hit like this. You know, I didn't know what to expect, but I did say that coming into this year that this was the this was the yeah, year for is, Buxton yeah. and Sano as far as what can you do? Yeah, show it, us what you can do. It'll be fascinating now to see. You know, now Sano's going to get a a run. Uh, what he does? What he have? A couple of doubles last night? Uh, yep, two hits, two yeah. hits, two two doubles. Yeah, and so a run. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can come back and be a productive hitter. Now you add him to that lineup, so it's. And it's not just the lineup; it's the pitching's just been, you know, more than what you thought. Now the bullpen, obviously, they're going to have to address. Um, Hildenberger was a mess; they had to send him down. Yeah, but that was a that was that was a solid move. That was to send him down. <laughs> well, after they, that game, how long are you going to keep you, up with? Well, this? that's it, you, in a, in sports, you have that moment where you're like, okay, this cannot continue. Right there, there has to be. It's like with the Gophers when they had the defense coordinators; like you can't go forward anymore. Yes. No, you can say all you want about Trevor's a great guy, and yeah. we love Trevor, and he's helped us. But at some point in time, you have to call him down and say you're going yeah. to Rochester. And I still think whatever it is is wrong. They can. I don't think he's a lost cause. You just have, I don't know what. I'm sure they see something if he's not throwing a certain pitch or whatever. Um, that maybe he can get back up here and help him. But they they need to address their bullpen. But the starters have been. I mean, you look at what you've gotten from Perez and Odorizzi, and yeah. Now I am I am on board. Pitching wise, with giving a serious thought because it's clear. I think it was in it was uh, probably the day before Twins Fest or the day Twins Fest started that Levine talked about windows and trying to gauge. I I think he was asked a question at that time about Keuchel and Kimbrel chip. Yeah, and Thad was asked, you know, about would you consider blah blah blah. 
And his point was, we're always trying to gauge where our window of opportunity is. Mm-hmm. And he said, we think it's open a little bit here, but we're not quite sure how much. And he, at the time, he was, you yeah, know, he couldn't, he know, couldn't yes. be like, no, yeah. you're wrong. Uh, but now it's quite clear it's open, For wide sure. open. Yeah. The division's not good. I, I think the Twins are better than we expected. To your point, they can certainly hit a lot. Uh, so I am all for pursuing a starting pitcher, mm-hmm. not to bump Barrios down. I'm fine with yeah. I'm fine with him. I think if you could go Barrios, Mad Bum, for instance, too, uh, and then get everyone down one. So o- Odorizzi goes down one, Gibson goes down one, Perez, and get bullpen help too, yeah. because th- as as people. As fans in our business like to talk about, you know, well, well, the Twins should be good for five years or something, or six years or something. And that's right. They should be. Mm-hmm. But we've seen sports, too. And you don't know next no. year that Barrios' arm's not going to blow out. Yeah. Uh, you you don't know yeah. that someone's not going to, to get hurt. So this strikes me as a year where you're being presented sort of this gift of, oh, oh okay, we could do this. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that, that without mortgaging the best of your best – Lewis Kirlov, I think you got to look long and hard about how can we address both mm-hmm. starting pitching and the bullpen and be serious because this team, this team could not only win the Central Division. I think this team could make a run of some sort. Yeah, and you look at uh, what did Falvey and uh, Levine say at the beginning of the season that they're basically wait and see mode because they right. they, they didn't they had no idea. Yeah. yeah, they had no idea what this. And team I agreed be. with that at the yeah. time, and I think most people would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, they 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 did some uh, some off season moves that you thought. Okay, it might be okay. You know, you added some some guys on one year deal uh, just to see, you know, if if they can resurrect their career or whatever. And it's gone about as well as it could possibly be gone. So now, this is a test for them, the, this new leadership to say, all right, you 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 waited and you wanted to see what happened. Now you saw it. Now this team's legit, and it's been. The longer it goes, you can stop saying, "Okay, small sample size." We, you know, it's early. You can see there's there's sign now. The catchers are not going to hit like that, but this lineup is still going to produce, right? They have enough good hitters. And um, is Martin Perez going to keep? And my answer would be, you can't count on that. Yeah, Odorizzi. Odorizzi, I do think he has found something. Yeah, but I don't think. But wouldn't? But but think about if you could bump for it, and think about if you could bump them all down. Correct. Not to minimize them. Yeah. But to say okay, and and where uh, Bumgarner intrigues me a lot is he's I think twenty nine. Look at the playoffs, the World Series success, the Mm -hmm. playoff success. And now, and, and we all know that if you bring in a guy like that who can look around that room and be like, boys, I've been here before. Yeah. I got this. How much that helps people. Well, and I, I do. I mean, it's still, it's hard to quantify, but think about what it does to a, lock, to a locker room or clubhouse when a, when a team's in sell mode and it's like, it just it sucks the air right out. Yeah. I think conversely, if you start adding quality players, pitchers, position players, to bolster the lineup, and, and you know the, the organization saying, "Hey, we believe this team's good. Now we're going to add something we think it could be really good." Right. I mean, just the confidence that would give everybody. And so I, th- I think it's, you know, I don't know what the point is where you say, "All right, you push your chips in, and we're going for it." But I think if they keep down this path, it's going to come pretty quickly, right? Madison Bumgarner. I'm going to go to postseason pitching stats because these are incredible. Uh, so he has. Let's see. Pitch for the Giants in one, two, three, four, four playoff runs slash World Series. This is eight and three, 
2.11 ERA, 16 games, 14 starts. He's given up uh, 24 earned runs in 103rd innings. Yeah. In in three World Series, he is 4-0, and and he's given up one earned run in 36 innings. Wow. A 0.25 ERA. What would he cost you, Judd? Well, we, we've talked about this a lot on our various platforms here at Score North Chipper, and, and we all agree, I think. You tell the Giants, Royce Lewis, no. Yeah. Alex Kirloff, no. After that, now, yeah. now I, I heard that Jim, uh, Jim Bowden, the former uh, Cincinnati and Washington GM on Sirius MLB radio yesterday, say that he thinks it would cause, it would cost them uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall, the pitcher who's an up-and-coming prospect. Um, there's debate internally at this station if you would do that or not. An up-and-coming pitcher, Ooh. right, right. But then again, but then again, I know you're talking about your window, and, yeah. and as as. Wetmore has talked about a thousand times before. Up and coming pitchers are really dangerous because yeah. you don't know. The one guy that intrigues me, though, who's on the, the big league club right now, Sano. I'd love to see him get hot, and I'd, I personally, I'd trade him because I don't trust him. Buxton, I have never ever. If Buxton was going to fail, he was just going to fail. Yeah, like it would be, uh, it would be a terrible story of a top prospect who failed. But I never questioned his desire. No, 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 no. Like, no. like, you, but so you never said Byron Buxton if if he did fail, you would have never said as he walked away. Man, if he had just wanted it, yeah, or applied himself, yeah. No, that's not- Miguel Sano. I to my dying day, I'm always going to have that question about him. Yeah. So that that one intrigues me because the Giants could get him, plug him in at first base. Um, Boy, that's that's. I would have to think long and hard on that. Oh, one. and yeah. And I, I, agree, I agree with you too agree on, with you, on the on the uh, you know a pitching prospect is you know there's always that fear like oh what if they he turns out to be great but it's almost like this organization has asked fans to wait and hope and bank on the future and the, all these you know Bucks and Snow and all these guys yep and I, I think at some point you got to just say okay we're tired of waiting for prospects if you can if you can. Yeah, it might. We're rolling the dice. This guy might turn out to be great, but let's go for the short term and just go for it. If it costs us, yeah, a guy that we think could have a good career, but there's no guarantees. I'd go with the more the sure thing at this point. Yeah, you know, and the division's bad. Yeah, this is. Look at the standings right now, and and look at this league, mm-hmm. and tell me the last time that you felt this way about it because the division's awful. Well, and it's it's that and the way the team plays. I know. But I mean, that's it, to me, it's more of the eye together, test. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like it's it all goes together like a puzzle of, oh, hold on a second. This could this could be a team that can not just win the AL Central, but actually make a run. And Judd, I, it knows me. I was in the clubhouse a lot last week, and I know you have too. Like, you just get a sense being around these guys. They're confident. There's a confidence in that clubhouse. They like each other too. Yeah, it's it's a good vibe. It's good chemistry. Unlike last year, where it's by like, the way, this just didn't feel <laughs> right. It's no mistake that Addison Reed, yeah. who by the way was paid was paid. 17 mil, so he's not cheap. Yeah. And I know he got hurt, and I know he, he w- was not good, but you and I w- were in that clubhouse yep. last year, too. It's no mistake that they said, here's your money. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he was among well, the, guy, the guys I thought. I, I had a Twins employee tell me last year, this is a terrible clubhouse. It, well, yeah. And now... And now without without Lance Lynn whining and crying, and, and I thought Reed was a pain. Yeah, and and Lomo 
He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy, guy but I don't think he was a productive – No. I don't think he was a productive employee off the field, it if just, that makes sense. It just felt like a bunch of guys who were disgruntled because they didn't get the contracts they wanted. Yep. And then it went south for him individually and the team. And it just felt like twenty five guys, twenty five cabs. Yes, you know. And, and Dozier and was Dozier was got, had one foot out the door, and and, and he tr- was like desperately at first trying to act like he could lead that thing. But again, you can't you can't just come in a locker room and be like, I'm I'm your guy. Especially with if you with, got any requests, tell me. Yeah, and especially with just guys who probably didn't want to be there and just took the best deal they could get at that yeah. point. And so, no, this it's a totally different vibe. Winning helps, obviously, when you're good. Everybody feels in a good mood. And but what comes first, though? But yeah, the chemistry. What comes first? The the chemistry established in spring training uh, definitely helps you going into a season. Yeah, and I will say, I think Falvey and Levine recognized, holy cow, they put together a bad chemistry team last year, and they 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 set out to not only try to improve the team on the field, but also get guys that would work in the clubhouse together. And so it's a good. I mean, just talking to them, I mean, you you can see there's an air of confidence in there, and just. I don't know if humble is the right word. Just kind of uh, not taking it for granted, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And it, but it's, it, yep. it's I, I, not describing it well, but it's a good vibe. I mean, it's just you can see that this is uh, there's good chemistry in there and guys are pulling for each other. And Here's what I would say. It's, an, it's a vibe that I think is largely established by Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. And Nelson Cruz doesn't talk a lot, as far as I, I can tell. Now, he might privately with players but he's not trying to be heard he's not the guy that we all rush to post game Mm -hmm. but like there's just an air of again i go back to the i got this thing yeah i got this i've won before it's not that hard boys here's how but it's not condescending it it's it's gives you to me it breeds a confidence then of guys being like oh i can do my role then yeah i don't need to be somebody i'm not the worst thing i think the worst thing that happened to dozier was he watched Tory. Tory retired, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm that guy now." You can't just ascend yourself yeah. to roles. And Nelson Cruz is just to to put it as simply as possible, Chip. He's that cool. Yeah. He well, and it's also hard to do it when you're not playing well, when you're struggling. Absolutely is. So then it's then it's like a double whammy. It's like I'm not really playing well, but I have to be the leader. And then it, yeah, and yeah, Cruz is he's like the perfect guy for that clubhouse in terms of just veteran wise and also productive. You know, mm-hmm. just a really good player that guys look up to and can go to. And so, um, yeah, I. it'll be interesting to see. I think the lineup will, will still be very productive. How long can the pitching hold up? And are we going to see a little bit of re- regression from it, whether it's Perez or Odorizzi or whoever? Yep. And and if it is, do Falvey and, Valine, Falvey and Levine say, all right, let's go make a move to make this rotation better. And the, the interesting thing about the point you just made is you have to be proactive now mm. it, because the uh, post-July 31st waiver trade deadline is dead. So all trades have to be made by July 31st. And I read a piece a couple days ago saying that there are going to be more top-notch players uh, shopped and probably traded before the All-Star break because Early of that. Yeah. So, But once July 31st is dead, you can't make trades at that point. So the Twins are pretty much going to have to decide fairly quickly June, now. Yeah. This is this is it this is the time to go for it. And and where Mad Bomb intrigues me too is uh, to go back to our conversation about locker room chemistry and clubhouses yeah. and things like that. I think he's the type of guy that would walk in and 
be like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, I've got this. You know, I don't want, I don't want you to go get starting pitcher who's been good in the regular season but doesn't really have playoff experience, yeah. and then he's behind Burials and he's peeing down his pant leg out there. Yeah, like this is all a very orchest. This all has to be a very orchestrated, calculated type of, of move, and and the dynamic that makes it interesting is unlike rotisserie baseball or something you can't just be like oh this guy statistically is great <laughs> yeah because if he doesn't fit or fit, mesh yeah. it's a problem what do you do with the bullpen though i think you can well I, we've talked a lot about kimbrel there and and Royce told me that he's heard behind the scenes he's a pain in the ass which okay. is a problem yeah but you've got to do something there but yeah, you can you, you can get you can get relievers uh i think without giving up as much as you would need to get Bumgarner. mm-hmm but those are just the two areas where I don't think that you can say, "Oh, we're fine." No, It'll no, fine. no, no, no. And and it's yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty clear when you're sending a guy down that you thought was going to be one of your main relievers because he's a mess. And Reed being cut too, yeah. Who you thought might come back up? Yeah. So, and I, I'm sure they're looking at you know all the different teams around the league and seeing what you know who who could be available. But um, yeah, that I don't think you can just go forward without making any like significant additions there and think it's going to be okay. So I might be to- uh, totally wrong here, but I'm going to give you an, an example too, though, of a guy who signed in spring training who has not hit great, but e- every time that we go in, in the clubhouse for post game, he's in that clubhouse. He doesn't really want to talk, but he's not pouting. Mm-hmm. Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And and that guy has played defensively. Now, I, I know he had to play yeah. in right field, which I think was his first career start in right field, yeah. so I don't really fault him for that. But Marwin Gonzalez is the anti-twin 2018 mm-hmm. because he's not playing that well. He probably didn't get the contract he wanted, or, or I should say he's not hitting that well. He's mm-hmm. actually playing a ton of defense. But you know what? He seems fine with it. Yeah. He well, does, he's not pouting. He's not bemoaning his luck. He's not trying to hide in the lunchroom, which yeah, I think is important. Yeah, it's funny because I talked to him, I guess it's two weeks ago, or, and uh, we were just talking about how the lineup's it's kind of contagious and all the guys. He's like, yeah, you know, these guys are hitting well. He's like, I'm not. But, you know, right. and he just kind of made, you know, but he was professional about it, and it wasn't like, why are you talking to me? Or, you know, he was a veteran who's – Performed at highlight when he's going to hit, you know. Sure, he's going to. It's going to come around for him, and he's going to be valuable for him at some point, you know, whether it's defense or offense. But yeah, he's he's not a guy who got off to a bad start and is pouting about it at and, all, which and, is nice to see. And you can always tell if you do what you did and talk to a guy in the clubhouse. You can always tell the guys who think they got screwed by life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, the yeah. look on their face yeah. or just some uh, passing comment yeah. about yeah. it always, you know, Lance Lynn, and, and I think to a certain point, Lomo as well last year, mm-hmm. very much felt like life had screwed them. Yeah. Now, granted, they were making millions of dollars and not suffering. But not what they thought they were going to get. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Timberwolves draft luck. I tried to tell my young friends here at Score North, Danny Cunningham and Rami Makloff, don't count on any draft yeah. lottery luck. And sure enough, they not o- not only could the poor SOBs not stick at the spot that they were supposed to draft, they fell a spot. And Chip, if you were surprised, I'll be amazed because no one in this town should be surprised. I was just talking to Myron and Manny for their, their podcast, and Myron said, what was your reaction? I was like, been there, done that. <laughs> there yeah. was no reaction. It was uh, I've Amen. seen that uh, a million times, and um, now I mean it's they're never moving up. It's just just go ahead and 
How does that happen? I have no idea. It's it, it is remarkable. I mean, there was a time when it surprised me. I just yeah. now, now I just, just expect yeah. bad luck. Yeah, it's you know, new new regime, new president of basketball doesn't matter. Yeah, send, say, send your son. <laughs> no, Why doesn't matter? Um, yeah, not you know. I don't think it makes a big difference. Ten, eleven, what kind of player you're going to get? But um, they have they have a lot of issues to deal with in terms of this this roster, particularly point guard. I mean, they have to find a point guard. I mean, I, I just don't think Jeff Teague is your guy. And I can see them trading him, you know, during the season. But the guy, the point guard I really like is Kobe White from North Carolina, but he's not going to be there at 11, I don't think. Okay. I think he's going to go top seven probably. And so all the mock drafts have him taken a, a big, uh, like this Brandon Clark. Um, I've seen him in a lot of them. I think point guard is – is a major conundrum right now in terms of what, who is your point guard of the future. And I don't think they can sit here and say it. And so I would love it if they could get Kobe White because I think he's a difference maker, but I just don't think he's going to be available. Do you believe that Rosas's coaching search is a real thing or do you think it still <clears throat> well, lands on Ryan when this is all done? You know, I think it's real in the fact that he's, he's interested in these guys. But to me, if you're going to – all those guys come with risk because it's not like you're interviewing Dave Yeager, who's been an NBA head coach and has a track record. And this is the one thing that struck me is what you're all these say. guys are. You have no idea what they would be, and so if you, which is why I don't know that this is a real yeah, search. It, it, it might just be them saying, "Hey, it wasn't just uh, preordained is going to be Ryan, and he right. had the job. This is not just we're just doing this for for appearances." But um, but if you're just gonna if if there's risk and you have and these these other guys. They don't have a track record. You don't know what you're getting. I think you just stay with Ryan for the biggest reason. Carl Anthony Towns likes him and trusts him. And my, to me, the biggest fear with this organization would be two or three years from now, Towns says, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I want no more of this. Anthony Davis. Yes. Yeah, I want out of here. Who might now not do that in New Orleans. No, you, can't let him, you can't let him run the organization. Right. But you also have to <clears throat> set up a uh, condition so that he feels good about the way things are going. And he obviously has a special relationship with Saunders. He trusts him. So I, to me at this point, I think I'd just give Ryan a two year deal, maybe with the option for a third year and see what, it, what he becomes. Cause I, I don't know if we got a fair look at what he is as a coach with all the injuries and just being down and out. And the whole year was just a lost cause. My concern would still be not, not about what he did in the brief time that he had after Tom got fired. My concern remains about his age, inexperience, mm-hmm. and sure, things like yeah. that. He's an but unknown. I wonder here, – here's the thing. I, I wonder if Rosas going to talk to these guys, which is fine. It makes sense. But, you know, we've entered such an era now of, ta- of trying to cherry-pick ideas and steal things. From other, yeah. Yeah, it never hurts, right? Yeah. No. It never hurts to get – You might get some ideas. Hey, what, are the, <laughs> you know, what does this team do? Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if you think that you're a legitimate candidate for the job and actually sit down with Rosas, you're probably going to answer. Yeah, and you're going to bring, hey, the ideas that you – from your organization. And I can steal them from you. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's probably a secondary thing. I mean, I, I think he's probably – I would hope he's – Legit, because one of these guys might blow him away. Where he said, "You know what? This guy's just better than Ryan, or he has better ideas." Or, you know, it, so I don't think it's inconceivable that it's someone other than Saunders. But I just think if knowing how much Glenn Taylor likes him and knowing how much Cat likes him, and just the risk factor with all these guys, Ryan included, and we have no idea if Ryan could be a good head coach. 
but you don't with these other guys. If you had said, okay, Dave Yeager's in there and maybe another guy who'd been a head coach, I would have said, you probably have to hire Dave Yeager because you know what you're getting. Which you would know? be really intriguing. Yeah, and <clears throat> but they're not doing it. And so I, I, I still just think it comes back to you'll probably be Saunders. What's your guess at the timetable here, too? I think for, next week. For No, I, oh. I was going to say beyond that, for the internal timetable – at Target Center to try and be successful again. And I'm not saying fluky yeah. fall into things, but an actual – because you, you've really hit the, – the more I think about this with the direction things are going now, and obviously with having no luck again in the lottery, you've really hit a bit of a reset once again. Sure. Back to your point about you don't know who your point guard is, I, your style is going to change, and most importantly what we talked about last week – is Wiggins here for the long term? Yeah. Is this just uh, look and see, and it doesn't work, and so you try and give him away? Yeah, I don't think this is. <clears throat> I don't think this is anything quick. I think it's a long play it's because unfortunate, but true. Again, I mean, it's always been a long play with him, but uh, well, but it's been a long play with his team for all for sure. And now it fe- and now it feels like all the Thibodeau stuff is out again. And yeah, now it's you're another, starting over. You're and now starting it's over. another reset. Yeah, you're you're definitely starting over with a great player, but you have no idea who your point guard of the future is. I mean, Jeff Teague's on a one-year deal, and I just don't see him being – you have no idea what you're doing with Wiggins. Either you're going to trade him or if he ever amounts to what you thought he was going right. to be. You have nowhere close to the number of shooters you want if you're going to play that modern basketball that Ro, uh, Rosas talks about. So it's not like you, you accomplish all that in one draft or one offseason. No. That's a that's that, a three-year, four-year. Yeah. close. And so <clears throat> I think it's going to take him a while to – get the roster to where he wants to play the style. And so that's where you wonder. And that's why, I, you know, with Saunders, I, I don't think any of these coaches you'd commit more than a few years to just to, you know, see one, can they, can they handle the job? And then two, this roster is is going to be in flux, I think, for a couple of years. It, it just goes is. back to your, your point about Carl Anthony Towns. That's, that, that would How be quickly, my concern. Because you can't, you can't tell people – Internally or externally, hey, you know this is going to take four or five years because he's going to say what? Yeah, and you don't like. So there is there is a hurry here with right, but there's a so there is a there is um, some apprehension here, and there's going to be some hurry here because you've got to convince him that you can do this much quicker than you probably think you can. That's why I think the relationship Rosas has with him is going to be vital because Towns has to believe in what you're doing, or he's going to say, "What do you know? What is this? I'm, I'm out of here." And so if he doesn't believe in the plan that they're putting together, the style of play, the coaching staff, whoever they're bringing in to build around him, because you don't want to have another Anthony Davis situation. Like, how no, these that's guys, how it's trending, or, or it could be trending. Yeah, and I think – You could certainly see it. Towns has been paid. I mean, he's never given any inclination along those lines. But you know how these things go. If he gets sick of losing and if they're constantly in a lottery and constantly hit and restart with coaches and – executives and plans and uh, i mean i wouldn't you know i wouldn't fault him for saying all right i've had enough of this let's try something else and so yes. that's where he has to feel good about the direction that they're going does golden state winning another nba title excite you one bit um i perhaps i'm in the minority here because i like golden state i love to watch and play i like greatness i love the way they shoot the ball i love the way they share the ball I know people are bored with them. I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't want to watch them win ten in a row. But but I like. I'm a fan of theirs. I, I just I love the way they play. And it's do you not, like them watching? Do you like watching them more with or without Durant? Because that definitely changes um, the dynamic of that team. They're back to that. 
uh, spread it around more than they they sort of fell in that. Especially that might, Steph. Sort I of think fell. that might, might be more fun. By the way, yeah, yeah, it and it, it as great as he is, it sort of. It wasn't to the extreme of hard and, and watching Houston. Cause I, I hate to watch Houston play. I just I don't like the one on one isolation so much like that. It's just it's just not I'm not not a fan of that. Um, and they they weren't to that point with with KD, but they were definitely relying on him a lot for the scoring. And I think you know Curry's production took a big step back, and so yes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long he's out and if they just keep you know rolling right along without him but I, I it's weird I'm I know I'm in the very very small percentage of people that like watching them play and and I don't know if it's good for basketball but I like the way their style and the fact that it's not as they put a bunch of great players together and they play well together I think that's kind of cool would Bucks Golden State be fun yes that's what I because I like the Bucks. Yeah. yeah I like that the Bucks, Bucks story a is a yeah. great story and I, I for that town I think it's fantastic yeah I, I that's what I hope it is and you know seeing Giannis and him becoming a you know just such a unique superstar. I mean, he's as I told admiring them is like he's just such a transformational player, you know. And then you, the way they built that team around him, so that would be a fun finals. The Warriors. I mean, that I still think the Warriors win. I, I don't know that anybody can have a, has enough shooting firepower to when they're all on when they're right. clicking when they play their best. I think they're just the best team. Now you may catch them on an off night or whatever, but I think if they play their best, they're the best team. All right, sir. Thank you very right, much. Brother. We'll talk to you next week. That's Conduits of Trouble, Zolgad and Scoggins.